Mastering the Art of Execution, an exclusive interview with Jim Hooling. Join us for this enlightening conversation with Jim Hooling, the globally recognized author, speaker, and executive leadership coach. With his best-selling book, The Four Disciplines of Execution, Jim has transformed how numerous individuals and organizations operate. In this exclusive interview, we dive into his 30-plus years of leadership experience, the secrets behind effective execution, and the wisdom he's gained from coaching over 70,000 leaders around the world. From being the CEO of a top-ranked company to achieving a third-degree black belt in Taekwondo, Jim's journey is nothing short of inspiring. Don't miss out on this opportunity to learn from one of the greatest minds in leadership excellence. Welcome to the Wellness Driven Life Show, where you're about to go on a wellness-driven ride. the same after we learned our 21-year-old daughter, Kristen, was murdered by her ex-boyfriend. It's a parent's worst nightmare. How much did we really know about domestic violence back then? Clearly not enough. Now we know plenty. We know domestic violence, or DV, can happen to anyone. One in three women suffer physical violence at the hands of intimate partners during their lifetimes. One in three I'm Bill Mitchell, host of the When Dating Hurts podcast, and my interviews with DV counselors, law enforcement, and especially actual DV survivors give the pandemic of domestic violence the attention it deserves. The When Dating Hurts podcast. It's a series of lives being saved. Let me tell you a little bit about the guest that we have today, and I'm so thrilled to introduce him. Jim Hooling is an esteemed author, speaker, and executive coach with over 30 years experience. Known for his best-selling book, The Four Disciplines of Execution, he's coached over 70,000 leaders as the 4DX Global Managing Consultant for Franklin Covery. Covey, excuse me. As a former CEO of a top-ranked company, he's given 500-plus keynote speeches worldwide. A family man and Taekwondo black belt, Huling is celebrating celebrated for his commitment to personal growth and leadership experience. I am so pleased to help welcome to the stage Mr. Jim Huling. Welcome, Jim. Thank you, April. I'm so excited to be here today. And even more after that incredible introduction. Wow, is that a great way to begin? So thank you for having me. <laughs> My pleasure. It, you know, I, and I told you before we, we got here and we're going live that I was so excited that there's so much that is really in relation to, to bringing us both together. There's something that we share together that has really been at the forefront of our lives during this pivotal moment in time. But let's start by sharing with the audience a little bit about you. Let's share with them to get to know you more. Well, getting to know me is really a pretty easy thing. I'm very transparent and I seem to be in a lot of places today. So if anybody wanted to do a Google search, they'd have easy access. But the short version is I am one of those people who for whatever reason has found blessings at every single turn of my life. I, I will tell you that I was born to wonderful parents who, who I think did a great job, at least if I could say that out loud, you know, at, at raising me in an environment of love and hope and also instilling in me some great values and things that I cherish to this day. Um, and I also am one of those really fortunate people who at a very young age met and married the love of my life. I've been with my sweetheart, Donna, for 42 years, and we have two kids and three grandkids and an incredible life. And 
And then you add to that, you know, that I am, was able by some grace, April, to find in my life the very thing I was born to do and then have the opportunity to do it. And that that's one of the things I hope we'll talk a little bit about today, about this idea of, you know, discovering where your real formative place is. What is that purpose that maybe calls to you all the time? And then how do you have the courage to take a step? and begin moving in the direction of that. But I'm one of the people who was able to do that as a speaker and an author. And now as a coach where I work one-on-one -on -one with great people all over the world, you know, the, 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 the listing of my blessings would go on forever. So thank you for giving me just a moment to offer a little bit of the background behind that beautiful comment you made. Oh my gosh, Jim, we're going to continue on in that because your enthusiasm is beautiful and it is, it, it's contagious. And I love the way that you show up. And I feel so strongly that because you feel that there are, are so many blessings in your life and you're energized by that, that they continue to happen and the blessings continue to come. I mean, there's so much research backed behind that. There's so many books. There's so many, so much evidence to show that when we concentrate on the blessings and we concentrate on all of the things that are are going wonderful in our life that they start to come more and more and more because our brains seek that evidence that we're telling our our minds and our bodies right so i think that's so awesome it's so true do you mind if i just comment on that really quick you got now you gave me all this energy by what you just said it's such a powerful idea for anybody who's listening and I know there are millions of people who listen to your podcast, you know, every day or every week. I'm a real believer in this, what's called commonly the law of reciprocity. You know, the, yeah. that the good you put out into the world somehow comes back to you in its own way. And, and, and I'm not pushing any system of belief on anybody, but I will comment that almost every major system of belief in every civilization around the world contains the same idea, whether you call it karma whether you call it reciprocity, no matter what you call it, what you put out into the world is a force that in some way, unexplainable and untrackable, returns to you in a moment in which maybe you need it in your own way. And, and I've really lived my whole life around that idea, whether that's you know helping people and causes when I was able to, whether it's giving my time and energy. Uh, for the last several years, I've given away two free coaching sessions a week. I've done over 200 free coaching sessions, you know, and 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 I coach a lot of coaches now. When I tell them that, it scares them to death because they're like, "Oh my gosh, 200 free coaching sessions! I'd be broke." And I said, "No, it's the opposite. That every time I give out a free coaching session to somebody who couldn't otherwise have afforded my rate or or somehow had access to me." it comes back to me in believable ways, you know, and often I can trace it. I can say, you know what, this is, I think, connected to the good deed I did last week, the gift I gave, the time I shared. Now, look, right when I need it, it comes back to me in that particular way. And you talk about a powerful principle. If we stop the whole podcast right here, that one idea would be worth everybody's time to just give it a try for yourself and you'll see how powerfully it works. Wow. And that's a, that is a, I would venture to say, especially as an entrepreneur, thought of as an extreme uh, yes. venture to, to experiment with that. And right. That, I mean, as you know, Jim, most entrepreneurs are like, how is it possible? You said it yourself. They're, they're looking at you with saucer eyes. Like, I mean, that that's ludicrous, right? How could I possibly give everything away for free? But what you're saying is it turns around? Is this this mirror oh, effect? Every time. Of, every time. Uh, right. Yeah. So you know, the, I'm one curious. of the oldest sayings in the, in the human experience is give and it will be given to you, you know? Uh, yeah. But a more recent version of that, if you like Maya Angelou, I'm a huge fan of Maya Angelou. She said, You cannot go through life with a catcher's mitt on both hands. You've got to be able to throw something back. It's the same idea, just said yeah. in a more modern way, you know? But if, but if you think about it that way, if you, if you have a place of lack in your life, if there's something you want, you can't find a way to get it or achieve it or make it come into your sphere, try giving away a version of the very thing you don't have. You yeah. know, if, you, if, it's, if it's time or access or education or even financial resources, try giving away something, some version of what you need and just watch. 
because um, I promise you this, it will somehow make its way back to you. And then you will have started this universal principle of reciprocity and it'll fuel your success for the rest of your life. Jim, when did this principle really come to the forefront for you? I mean, mm -hmm. you said that you've really been uh, practicing this most of your life. Do you, mm -hmm. do you have a moment in time where you really recall and, mm -hmm. and feeling the understanding of that? Wow, what a great question. Do you know, April, nobody's ever asked me that question. And in the journey of my life, which, by the way, has been a regular human life, you know, I've had ups and downs. I've, I've had great jobs and terrible jobs and, you know, all the things everybody else has had. But, but April, I, as for as long as I can remember, I remember being shaped by the principle of giving. Uh, even I credit my parents for this and I credit my own sense of my own faith for this, that this idea that, you know, we don't we don't exist in the world as machines focused on getting, although it's very popular now. You know, everything you read online, every every Internet influencer you talk to is all pitching a way for you to get more, get more. And, and I really understand that when you're in need, a message like that speaks to you. But I also enjoy, April, being one of those people who comes with a different message. The, the different message being of giving and by giving, creating a cycle in which you will also receive. I think that's how the universe works. And, and I just challenge anybody, you know, what have you got? You got five dollars by the person in line uh, behind you, a cup of coffee and walk away and don't take any credit for it or, or help a young person who may not have the parents around them that you had and, and help them somehow in the way that you can, you know, whatever it turns mm -hmm. out to be. If you look for it, you'll find it. And the moment you start the cycle of giving, you will find an irrevocable return of reciprocity coming back into your life. Not in the way you gave, but in the way you need. It's a perfect cycle. Jim, now I want everybody listening to this you know, to, to test this out and play with it as they move throughout this holiday season. We are going to be with our family members. It's definitely the season to start contemplating all the things you're grateful for, if that's not already a daily practice. But, you know, as you say, you know, buy the, the, the person behind you's coffee. So like if you're going out on shopping for Black Friday or whenever or whatever it is you do, and you happen to get a coffee or hot cocoa while you're out, Play around with this and and purchase the coffee for the guy behind you and without, you know, having any say about it or, you know, don't don't mention it, but just notice how good that feels and what it does for you. And it just boosts up that that giving feeling. It certainly rises our, our energy and the frequency. And so I would definitely invite people to to try it out. Yeah, it was such good advice. And you said that perfectly. Um, if I if I put a ribbon around this first idea that you and I as brand new friends that we've chosen to talk about today, um, if you if you focus your energy on giving, you will seldom find yourself with lack. That's mm -hmm. really a way to do it. So if you're if you're having Thanksgiving dinner and you've got that relative who never listens to you, become the person who listens to them and see what happens. See if that unlocks it. You know, if you have a little bit of abundance in your life and you see somebody who is in need, share a little bit of what you've got uh, and, and see what happens, what comes from that. You know, if you're buying a book that you're excited to read and you can afford it, buy two copies and give one to a friend, you know, but begin to think in the cycle of giving and you will find yourself receiving. And by the way, if you flip it and you think only about the cycle of getting, you will very often spend your time thinking about all that you lack. It's a simple principle of the universe. Ah, I like that. Universal principles are, are lovely. I love that. <laughs> and so I, I want to switch the conversation a little bit, Jim, because something that we share very deeply, uh, you know, I venture to say spiritually in, in a way that, that has really had a, a, pivotal moment in my life. And you mentioned that it has in yours. I would love to talk about that. And that being really learning and coming into the, the Franklin Covey uh, information and all of the writings and the teachings surrounding that, the, 
Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. You know, I, I mentioned that book a number of times on the show because it was one of the first books that truly shifted the mindset and the ideas of how I wanted to show up in the world and, and gave me a, a clear idea of how to do that, how to go about doing that in an effective way. Yeah, I, I I have no reservation at all to say, you know, outside of literature that we might think of as sacred, outside of that body of work, the single most influential book I have ever read, and I've read two or more books every month for the last 40 years, was The wow. Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And, and The Seven Habits affected my life at two pivotal moments. If you don't mind, I'll just be really brief. I'd love to share them. Both oh, don't, you don't have to be brief, Jim. I want to hear it all. I want to hear well, it all. All of, my, uh, all of my ancestors were Irish. So believe me, I know how to tell a single story and take up your whole show. I'll be careful not to do that today. <laughs> but, but the first moment I, I want to share with you is a very heartfelt moment for me when I was a much younger person than I am today. And all of your listeners who are watching on video will see the great hair that I'm proudly are carrying. We, are we These, lad? A wee lad? <laughs> a wee lad. Yes, I was a wee lad. Um, uh, I worked for one of the large uh, accounting firms, it used to be called the Big Eight. Uh, no need to say their name today, but it was a really large organization. I was all bought in, was doing everything I could to be a high achiever, support my family, and you know, end up being successful in the world. And, and, and in that journey, though, I was traveling uh, Sunday night to Friday night every single week of my life. I was working 70, 80, sometimes 90 hours a week. I was really just giving my whole self to my career. And as a part of that, um, I ended up through some act of grace and providence sitting in a Marriott Courtyard Hotel in Montgomery, Alabama. And April, I don't expect you to know where Montgomery, Alabama is. It's a fine city filled with fine people, but it's a very small place on the scope of the world, right? I was all alone in a hotel that night, of course, far from home doing my work as a consultant. But I had picked up a copy of this new book called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And in that book, one of the exercises Dr. Covey advocated was that you live your life by beginning with the end in mind. Now, we've all heard that expression now. It's common language, but it all started from that book. And the way he advised us to do it was to sit down and write out everything you want the people who matter most to you to be able to say when your time is done. So you're, you're supposed to imagine yourself at your own funeral, you know, and you're you're done. Your life is over. But you're listening in on what all the people who are gathered there to sort of celebrate your life have to say about you. Well, you know, what an idea. I just I've never had this idea before. <laughs> but as I was sitting in Montgomery, Alabama, I had I had just experienced the wonderful birth of my baby girl, Sarah. Now, I also had my beautiful, strong, incredible son, Scott, who was older than her. But we had just had the new baby girl born. So I'm sitting in that hotel room thinking, well, OK, what do I want Sarah to say about me and our relationship when I'm done? You know, and, and, and I all I know to do is tell the story exactly the way it happened. Um, I sat down with a yellow legal pad and a pencil. By the way, there were no laptops or iPhones in those days. This predates all of that technology. And I wrote on this yellow tablet the words I wanted Sarah to be able to say. And the first thing I wrote was Sarah saying, my dad was always there for me. Mm. Now, now, I don't know if those words, I'm a little bit emotional trying to tell you the story. I don't know if they come across the airwaves with the full emotional impact. But if you think about me alone in a hotel room, gone most days of the week, now for the first time ever getting clear on a vision that my little girl, and by the way, my son and my beloved wife would one day say, my dad was always there for me. That became the defining moment of my life. And, and to finish that story quickly, I went on that night and wrote 11 handwritten, longhand pages of wow. this, of everything I wanted Sarah to be able to say about the adventures we had together and how much we meant to each other and the, the, the travels and the excitement and the things that we shared and how we trusted and loved each other. I just wrote page after page after page. In fact, April, I have those pages today in this office. I have those same yellow legal pad pages. They're one of the most wow. treasured things I have. But, but the part of the story that matters is I woke up the next morning 
drove home to corporate headquarters and resigned. Wow. I literally resigned. Now, I'm not advocating this path because, you know, today <laughs> as an older fellow, I would I would try to have some kind of transition. You know, this was pretty radical. But what yeah. I would want people to understand from this story is that in that moment, I had a vision of who I wanted to be. And the vision was so strong in me. It was it was so powerful. It was alive inside of me that I, I had to act. I couldn't not act. Right. Yeah. So I, I did walk in and resign. And sure enough, you know, I found another job. I didn't have to travel. Life went on. And the rest of my story would be would take the whole podcast to tell you. But this is the point I'm hoping I'm making for a lot of people who might be even if you're driving and eating a sandwich while you're listening to this thing. Just just get this point that if you don't have that, if you don't wake up every morning with this sense of I have something I am supposed to do. There's a destiny I have to fulfill. There's a purpose I have to live out. If you don't have that feeling, that's what's missing in your life. Because from the moment I got clear about that, and by the way, I went on to write those same pages for my son, Scott. I wrote them for my wife, Donna, and I wrote them for most of the major roles in my life. In fact, I sit here today with seven sets of pages for all the major dimensions of my life. I'm, I'm now every single day living out what I hope will be the things that everybody can say about me when my time is done. So if any time at all you wake up and you just can't get out of bed or you don't want to face another day or you literally say, I, I don't like my life, this is the thing to do. <laughs> get mm -hmm. down on paper what it is you really want. Begin with the end in mind and you will then know how to take the next step and the next step and the next step. Yeah. Well, the book definitely brings you to a and walks you through this clear sense of understanding by beginning with the end in mind. And I think, thank you so much for sharing that and, and being vulnerable in that, that sharing. I felt, and I'm sure the audience, I know the audience felt that emotion that is brought through. And that's exactly what it evokes is that sort of emotional response when we do take ourselves to that point where we contemplate what is being said about us and how are we remembered and, and what, how do we affect the people that are around us, our loved ones? And it's a, it's a clear reflection of how are we showing up right now? And you, during that point, you are working a lot, you are away from family. And is that really how you want to engage with the beautiful family you have at home? And of course, it's not something to 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 tell everyone to go quit their jobs because you might as well be doing this but it does it like you said it does invite you to explore and write down what it is that you truly do desire and i think that you know jim you would agree that that once you start doing that your your life starts aligning in this beautiful way where when you first came on the show you said I have so many blessings and it's because you, you took that time for yourself to contemplate on exactly what it is. And you continue to do the writing, to put it on paper on what you want, but you go further than that in the visualization piece where what, what does it feel like? What are you experiencing? What are you doing? Well, we're traveling and we're at this place and it feels like this and we're holding hands and, and like it goes so much deeper when you get very, very precise about all of the things. Oh yeah. You said that so beautifully. I mean, you said it even better than I did. And I, and I love that you came back and recap that so perfectly. Thank you. <laughs> you know, if I, if I had everybody listening in was thinking with us right this minute, then I would only say that, you know, that, that if you don't have that sense, we're, we're not in any way saying that, if you're in a position where right now you just trade hours for dollars and you do that to support the people that you care about, that is an honorable thing. There's nobody there's nobody on this broadcast saying that that's not good. Hmm. But what we are saying is little baby step by little baby step, you can do that and also have a sense of meaning and purpose if you just start working on it. Right. April, yeah. my favorite coaching question today for all the coaching clients I have is how do you want to be remembered? You know, even if they won't do Dr. Covey's full exercise yet, I can get them to think about, well, how do you, how do you want to be remembered? 
And the moment you say that, well, I, I want to be remembered as a person who is kind. I, I want to be remembered as a person who helped other people. I want to be remembered as a person who could be depended on, who would do what they said they would do. I, you know, I mean, it, it doesn't take much, does it? It's like it's like right. nudging a snowball down a mountain. It just grows and grows and grows and picks up speed. Uh, so the important thing out of maybe this podcast for a lot of people today is just to start, just to start with a vision of where you want to end up. And then work your way backward to today and take the first little step in the morning as soon as you get up to set you on that path. That's a simple formula for creating a great life. It is. I, I like how you said that. It's a simple formula for creating great life. So, Jim, if I may, I would love to share a little bit of my story and how I really came into the concept of this. And, and it's, a, it's a love story in essence. Because during the time when Manly, my husband, and I first started dating, uh, he he kind of he closed us off for a little bit, and he said, "You know, I we gotta we gotta hold off. I need to work on myself." And I had never been told that by any man before, where where they wanted to put a pause on the relationship because they wanted to go improve themselves. <laughs> I was like, what is this? But it also told me that this is the man that I'm going to wait for because he considers that to be something that's very important. And it inspired me too to work on myself. Now, I asked him during that time, I said, if you were stranded on an island and you had one book what book would it be? And he said, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. So while I was waiting uh, for, for him to do things and for me to continue growing, I read that book over and over and over and I practiced the things inside and I just wanted to self-develop myself because if he was working on himself, I had a lot of work to do if I was going to match up and level up to that relationship. <laughs> so uh, it was it was just beautiful. And, you know, during the times that we talk about when we're at different stages in our life and, you know, entrepreneurship is a really cool thing where you're doing your passion projects, right? It's a lot of work and there's this higher reason for doing it. And, there, there's so much to be said when you're at the points in your life where you're working for other people and you have boots on the ground or what have you, because they're, they're essential for all of the lessons along the way, right? And so we we learn so much. We learn how to engage with other people and, and how it's all done. And I really gained so much during that time when, when I was working for someone else and I was able to listen to an audible while I, while I worked as well. And, and I could hear Covey's voice coming through and he, it's so calming. Like there's, there's not a voice out there like his, it's just calming, smooth, confident, sure. And it's, it's really incredible. And it certainly held me during those moments that I, I sometimes felt very alone. Mm -hmm. What a profound story. I, I can only imagine Dr. Covey is smiling down on you and I here, you know, long after his passing from this realm to the next. Uh, here we are still talking about his legacy. Yeah. And uh, if there was one thing I learned from him, it was to live in such a way that you leave a legacy. You know, not just that you got what you wanted or you did what you wanted to do in the moment in this now space, but that you lived in such a way that you you left something behind you. You know, you helped other people. You left, you built things that would outlast you in your life. Uh, that's yeah. just such a powerful way to do it. And I, I personally will always be grateful to him. And, and what a strange turn in my own life, you know, April, because years and years after that moment in the Marriott Courtyard, uh, I ended up working for Dr. Covey, working for Dr. Covey's company, Franklin Covey, for 14 wonderful years, wrote a couple of books while I was with him and had a chance to, to help leaders all over the world. So, I often think that my reading The Seven Habits, what I got from The Seven Habits, part of how I returned that blessing <laughs> was to faithfully serve and love the people and the organization of Franklin Covey for 14 years. I think it was my way of paying back what I got that night in the hotel reading The Seven Habits. <laughs>
Yeah. Well, you know what I think is incredible about you, Jim, because you got that experience, you really drew in those energies there, which is so cool. And I feel the same way being here with you today. I feel, I, I really do feel honored and it, and it moved me so much. I was starting to tear up a little, little bit because it, it's such an incredible thing when something in your life can impact you so much that it legitimately changes the course of your life. And that's exactly what it did for you. It's in part what it did for me as well. And, and on so many different levels, I would I be here doing the things that I'm doing and showing up in the world the way that I do now if we didn't have these these beautiful writings and resources and people that inspire us greatly. And so Jim, I'm excited about your story. Let's shift to that because you, you went on and you, you were a part of this and very, very involved. You stepped into leadership positions where you were able to coach and lead so many people around the globe in some of these uh, practices, practices, excuse me. And through that, you have even written and, and stemmed your own uh, learnings and messages for other people with your book that has done incredibly well. And it really is geared a lot towards, uh, you know, those, those disciplines and the execution of, but what, what I appreciate the most, Jim, is how you continue to show up. And the reason these things are so good is because it, it's things that if, if practiced, they will last forever. There's no expiration on it. They, they don't phase out or anything. These are principles that you can apply forever and ever and ever, no matter the times and the changes and the way that, I mean, the world is moving at this incredibly fast pace and yet the principles don't go away. They still remain very true. So the way that you show up in the world, I think is really, really cool because at 70 years old, you are going very strong and sharpening that saw. Let's talk about that. Yeah, we, we, we will end up by the end of this broadcast using every one of the seven habits as a soundbite, won't we? And I think that's <laughs> awesome. We should, we should make that our goal, April. But I, but I do love this. You know, um, uh, Dr. Covey said often, practices change, principles remain. And, and I really believe that's true, you know, that that, yes, all the things about our world are evolving constantly. Technology is just a tiny example of something that has changed our world. But the principles on which we live, like truth and integrity and love, uh, those are things that don't change no matter what else is going on in the world. And as long as we can remain clear about the things that change and the things that remain constant, I think we live our lives in a completely different way. So I, I really honor that you bring that point out uh, so beautifully here. And, and I will tell you, honestly, when it came time to write the Four Disciplines of Execution, which I'm very proud to say I did in partnership with Chris McChesney and Sean Covey, um, we, we started with a very simple objective. It was the recognition that no matter where we went in the world, no matter who we were talking to, no matter whether we were in business or education or family life, there was this gap between what people intended to do and what they were able to do. You know, mm -hmm. it's like the classic example is a New Year's resolution. It, it has a shelf life of about mm -hmm. 72 hours. You know, uh, even if you joined the gym, you visit the gym and that's the end of the gym. It's a, it, those stories are so common, yeah. but they exist in organizations as well. So we, we had a real heart for leaders who are trying to influence lots of people who build a strategy every year and then have the daunting challenge of getting a team to execute the strategy. And frankly, we saw it as the single largest systemic issue all over the world in every business we had ever encountered. So yeah. I, I'm, I'm saying that we felt we had a great mission, not that we were great people necessarily, but that we were called to something great to help solve a problem. But we also realized that if we made it complicated, we would lose everybody. In fact, you know, frankly, there's lots and lots of books about education and I mean about execution in the world. And, and I think they're all wonderful. I have nothing bad to say about any of them, but I make one commentary. It's the easiest subject in the world to overcomplicate, you know. So, mm. so what we tried to do was to bring the gift of simplicity to the difficult outcome of world-class execution. And, and of course, we'd like to think we did it. And April, I don't know if time permits, but I wonder, could I just say really quickly what each of those four disciplines is? And I would love for you. And 
Jim, take as much time as you want because yeah. you you know in your brilliance, just you just said you wanted the gift is to simplify this. Yeah. This shouldn't be overcomplicated. And the fact that you only have four, which our brains easily can can devour yeah. and obtain, right? Uh, so yes, please do. Oh, I wonder. Well, I'll do it, and I'll and I'll just use normal, simple terms. You know, there's no need. One of the places we thought we brought simplicity, we think we still do bring simplicity, is we didn't invent this elaborate, sophisticated, you know, PhD kind of language around it. That's part of the problem. Is you know, yeah. there's so many words with 17 syllables in them, and nobody knows what all that means. So, so we decided to focus on four principles that we thought would be timeless, and the principles are easy to say. The first one is focus. The second one is leverage. The third one is engagement. And the fourth one is accountability. So, so if you take the first letter of those words, F-L-E-A, focus, leverage, engagement, accountability, I'm very sorry to tell you they spell the word flee. So I'm not sure what my methodology, you know, correlated with a little annoying insect. But it No is acronym there, really? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't have even said that. But F-L-E-A, Focus, Leverage, Engagement, Accountability. So, so number one, big idea, radical idea in the four disciplines was start by identifying the one goal that matters more than every other goal. Ever heard of stoicism? Chances are, if you have, you've heard of stoicism with a lowercase s and not stoicism with an uppercase s. Lone wolves, no emotions, antisocial behavior, cold, indifference, all that is Stoicism with a lowercase s. Stoicism with an uppercase s is the ancient Greek philosophy and virtue ethics framework that centers on service to the cosmopolis, to include your family, friends, community, and planet, and the development of a good moral character. My name is Tanner Campbell, and I'm the host of Practical Stoicism, a three times a week podcast teaching Stoic principles and concepts to anyone interested through the exploration of texts and deep dives into various moral topics. You can find Practical Stoicism where you're already listening to podcasts by searching for Practical Stoicism or by going to stoicismpod.com. I invite you to give it a listen today. You just might like it. And, and April, honestly, you know a lot about business. You know about how organizations work, whether it's a small entrepreneurial venture or a multinational corporation. They all start the same way. They have lots of goals. Yeah. And in fact, they almost have a kind of hubris around the number of, you know, we have a hundred goals, Jim, you know, people will say to me with great pride, you know, when I first meet them, you just <laughs> won't, uh, we're masters of execution. We have 117 goals, not realizing that that is the clearest evidence you don't have discipline one, which is mm. the focus. So April, I've said, I've said many times and I've said all over the world, if you think choosing one goal is easy, that's proof you've never done it. Because oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm getting overwhelmed thinking about choosing one goal, Jim. So, but if I said 10 goals, you'd say, oh, okay, no problem. One, two, three, four, you know, but when you say the one most important goal, the mind has to go to work because- yeah. Going from 10 to 7 is not hard. Going from 7 to 5 is a little challenging. Going from 5 to 1, you'll be up all night trying to decide if you really approach it by caring about it. But that's the key. Human I beings are tired. I liken it to uh, coming up with your values. You yeah, know, when, when you finally sit down to to establish your values and and figure that out, it, it takes right. time. It, it, time. It takes reflection. It takes listening to yourself and your body and, and what that feels like and how it shows up for you. That's right. In fact, don't you agree that anytime you try to choose the most important item in a list of items that matter, you've started a very difficult exercise, no matter what it is. Yeah. So when people have to say, well, is my health more important than my family? You know, the, these are really challenging things. But yeah. I leave you with a simple idea that the key to executing is to have absolute clarity on the thing that matters most and to tap into that innate characteristic of all human beings. We are wired to do one thing at a time with excellence. We can oh. do a dozen things with mediocrity, no question. 
but we are wired to do one thing at a time with real excellence. Well, let's talk about that a little bit, Jim, because, you know, lots of people say, well, I'm a multitasker and that's a high skill that I have. So, but that's not the case, is it? It's not only not the case, and I say this with great love and a little humor to all of your wonderful listeners, but, but habitual multitasking is a recipe for mediocrity. It's the fastest way to be mediocre because you have the illusion that you're doing lots of things, but you're really not doing anything with any depth. Let me give you a quick example. Suppose you say you have 20 goals as a person for next, you and I are coming up on the turn of a new year. Uh, suppose I'm going to have 20 goals for the next year. Okay, great. First of all, I have a very busy life that's rich and full and have lots of things to do. So if I set 20 goals, I don't have a whole lot of time to work on those 20 goals. But let's just say I said I was going to do it. Then as I start week one of January 1, I have 20 outcomes I have to make an investment in if I want to get the, out, the uh, achievement that I'm hoping for. So that means 20 separate things. I've got to give a little bit of attention to 20 different things all throughout the week. And then I have all my regular life I've got to attend to with kids and family and raking the leaves and all, you know, I got everything else I got to do too. How much investment am I actually going to give to each of those 20 things? It's so small, you can't even measure it, right? So in other words, you're really kidding yourself. If you say I've got 20 goals that I'm pursuing, you're really not. You're dabbling in 20 things and you're producing nothing of any significance. So our advice is really simple. Pick the thing that matters most and give it more of your time and your energy and your passion than you do to anything else for that time frame. Like if you set a goal for 90 days, then during that 90 days, reconcile that that is the most important thing you're trying to achieve. And even if you do other day-to-day -day things along the way, don't let them infringe upon that one sacred contract you've made with yourself to do something meaningful in that first 90 days. That's discipline one. Um, discipline two is a little bit simpler to talk about, but it relies on a really incredibly uh, old idea. Uh, discipline two says, okay, you got your one goal. No problem. Congratulations, by the way. You passed the first step. <laughs> now you've got a very daunting question. How am I going to achieve that one most important goal? Well, people right here, if, they're, if we don't help them a little bit, they do exactly the same thing they did with goals. So in other words, where they used to have 20 goals, now they have one goal, but they'll have 20 actions. So every week I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to do that and that and that and that and that. I'm going to eat right, I'm going to drink a lot of water, I'm going to, you know, you can't do that either. <laughs> so our advice is really simple here as well. Discipline two, which is the discipline of leverage, it simply means find the one or two repeating actions that give you the greatest result. So if your goal is to run a marathon, you think every week of the one or two things that really have the biggest impact on the outcome that you want, the outcome of running a marathon. So maybe well, that's like a that you, you say that it's the things that you're going to be doing repeatedly. That's right. And that's kind of is the key. That's right. Not random, not scattered, not, oh, let me think of what I do this week. The things that become like the moving parts of a car, you know, they, they run like an engine. Which means you got the same dilemma. Out of 100 choices, which are the two that will give you the biggest return? That's yeah. why we call it the discipline of leverage. Find your leverage and you can move any obstacle. Yeah. Can Try we use an example, Jim? Like, you know, we're moving into the New Year's where, mm -hmm. as you said, for an example, too, like we that lasts for, what, 72 hours. And we have all these big audacious goals, but there's too many. And yeah. so if we if we use that as an example where, OK, I have all these things I want to change and all these habits that I want to create. And if I were to choose one, let's just say, which is one for many, 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 it's going to be in the health and wellness arena. Okay. Right. So I love it. let's say the goal is I, I want to concentrate on my physical health. I want to be more physically active. So that's my, my one Beautiful. goal. I love it. So your, your one pivotal goal is to be more physically active. Yes. And you you gave it a nice broad definition. So there might be room in here to be creative. You know, so if you say physically active, then maybe that says 
three times every week, I will either walk a mile or do 10 push-ups. I'll do one of those things. I'll do those two things, you know, three days a week. So maybe they're on separate days. Maybe they're on the same days. Mm -hmm. Keep it loose. Give yourself a chance to be a winner right out of the gate. Uh, yeah. But you choose the actions that move you toward your outcome in the most effective way. Uh, that's discipline, too. And it's really about being smart. You know, uh, which where do I, it's like putting your chips on a roulette table, you know, which red 23 and black 17. That's what I'm putting my bed on <laughs> is push ups and doing my walking, you know. But but I, I just say this to everybody out there. Um, if you even did something that simple consistently you'd be amazed at the results you would get. Achieving these outcomes is not as daunting as we think it is. Yeah. What's missing is the discipline of consistency. And if we just master consistency, we would do the things and we'd suddenly have all these things to celebrate, which really yeah. leads me, and I know I need to move along here, to discipline three. Because discipline three is the discipline of engagement. So remember, one goal, that's discipline one, Two repeating actions, that's discipline two. Discipline three is keeping score in a way that matters. Now, I'm just going to tell you, if you don't keep score, you're not playing, right? So after two, three, four weeks and you're like, how many, how many days have I been on this nutrition program? I can't quite remember. You're going to lose a big piece of what would keep you going. And mm. flip that around to the opposite. The bigger the investment you've made, the more reluctant you are to give it up, to stop, right? So, so mm. keeping score is not just this pencil and paper thing that, you know, is the accounting part of achieving a goal. Keeping score is the thing that energizes you, that, that kind of reminds you why you're actually doing this and, and makes you feel like you're winning at it, you know? So keeping score is a vital part of it. Whether you use an app to track, you know, your, your calories consumed or your steps that you've walked each day. It's all great. doesn't matter, but keeping track is the powerful thing. And the more you do that, the more you'll find yourself there. And then let me wrap up really fast. Discipline four is the discipline of accountability. And I think this is the most important of the four. No question. Because one, two, and three are sort of the design of a game, but discipline four really is the game. You know, discipline four is doing what you said you would do. Being accountable to do what you said. So you might have chosen push-ups and steps, like we said earlier. But if you don't do them, that was just another theory. You know, it didn't help. So discipline yeah. four, the discipline of accountability is really powerful. And, I, and, I, and I'll kind of close with this, if I can, for, for a moment is, um, you know, I, I'm now an executive coach. I work with people all the time uh, at really all levels of organizations. But most of my clients are in relatively senior leadership roles all the way up to CEOs. And one of the things that that I've learned by watching them and frankly learned by watching myself <laughs> is that the first person you have to convince that you're serious is you. You know, that voice in your head says, well, the last April, the last seven times you started on this program, you bailed out. What's going to be different this time? You know, we, we've all got that voice in our head. And so what we have to do is quiet that voice. And the thing that quiets the voice is action. So every time you say this week, I will average 10,000 steps for three days a week. I'm just picking a, a modest goal and I will do 10 push-ups twice a week. Every time you'd say that and then you do it and you make a tick mark in your app or on the calendar on your refrigerator, you put a big green check or you, yeah. some of my clients even put a marble in a jar every time they do a workout and they watch the marbles grow in the jar, you know, uh, it, whatever, whatever moves you is powerful. You get energy from that. But more importantly, that's the evidence that as a person, you can be trusted. You can trust yourself to do what you promised yourself you would do. That's the first gate all of us have to get through uh, if we're going to you know, do something outstanding with the time and energy we have. Well, and who's the person that we have to be able to trust the most anyway? It is ourselves. I mean, we don't, we don't get away from ourselves. I mean, everything else around us can disappear, can change, you know, there, there's really nothing that, that should be relied on more than ourselves. That's right. That's right. And imagine if you feel then in your deepest part of your soul that you can't trust yourself, how do you mm. do anything else? 
right? right? So I, I don't want to stretch this too far, but I don't mind saying I truly believe that the four disciplines is a recipe for life, not yeah. just for organizations to achieve great results. And that's that's most of who's using it now. But it, but it is it's an equally powerful system for becoming whoever it is you dream of becoming, but in small, manageable steps where yeah. you can grow your own capacity. Ah, that's beautiful. And and Jim, you truly are a human being who is living in that full uh, potential. And there's there's so many of us that that show up in a way or or say what we love and what we've learned and we put it in writing, we put it in books and we create all the things. And yet there's certain points in life where it's difficult to be able to to manage that until you maybe find a secret sauce like that. And but what I'm saying is you truly embody the essence of what you teach. And I think that is such a beautiful thing. And that is that accountability to yourself. Mm -hmm. Everything starts with that, doesn't it? I, I think people listening to us would say, yes, April, but I want to go well beyond that. And I would say, go beyond that. But you can't get beyond that until you are rock solid, that you will do whatever you commit to do. And you can yeah. be trusted to do that. There's something, there's something about that that makes you walk differently. It makes you talk differently. When you know yeah. that you can trust yourself, you then have the ability to become a trustworthy ally and resource to all the people in your life. And from there, who knows how big your influence can be. Yeah. Well, and it makes a big difference in all of your relationships too. Yeah. It's kind of like that the codependency, right? That that you talk about and the interdependency that you want to strive for. And so it kind of makes a play in that too. Jim, what are some of the things that you do on a daily basis to maintain your extraordinary levels? I mentioned right off the bat, your energy is just so, uh, it, it's brilliant. It just shines through. It's contagious. What are some of the things that you do, if you don't mind sharing with us? Well, I don't mind at all. In fact, I'm honored you would ask. Um, and, and I'll start right off with probably the single most powerful. I mean, there, you can imagine my head just filled up with a lot of things I might offer to your listeners. But here's the one, if I could only get one in, I'd want to say first. Um, I have a ritual I've been doing for almost 35 years. I've done it every single day of my life. And I think it's really been the key to so much of what I've done. And it's it's what I call three by three. So think of it this way. Every single morning, um, I like to start my day on the back porch of my house. We live on a small lake and usually my dog Lucy and I go out on the back porch, first cup of coffee, sun's just coming up over the lake, you know, and I'm, I'm not being dramatic. That's really my every morning sort of church that I go to, you know, but when I'm out there, I discipline myself to make this the first thing I do. I write in my journal three things I'm grateful for. Now remember, it's called three by three. So the first step is three things that I'm grateful for. So right away, before I read any news, before I get any emails from work, before I think about my schedule for the day, any of that, I want to I want to focus my energy and my heart on gratitude. What are three things I'm grateful for? And I challenge myself to not just write, you know, you just don't want to write every day. I'm grateful for my family. I'm grateful for my family. Of course, I always am. But but I think I lose some. I push myself to be specific. So three things I'm grateful for. Number two, I write down three things I'm excited about in the coming day. Now, the precision of this really matters. So so in other words, if I just generically say three things I'm excited about, you know, it's so broad that it doesn't have any energy. But if I say I'm excited about this coaching call I'm going to do today with a new client, if I say I'm excited about uh, I'm going to have I'm going to have lunch with my sweetheart uh, at one of our favorite snack places this afternoon. You know, whatever it is I'm excited about, I list those three things. And, and if Jim, were three, you were you excited this morning about coming on the Wellness Driven yes. Life? Oh, my gosh. Here it is. It's on my list. It's on my list of three things is, is podcast with April right there. <laughs> yes, I love right, so, that. I love so three it. things I'm excited about. And just a quick thought, and I know we're, we're getting close on time, is, you know, people often struggle with the excited part. April. And when they come back to me as a coach and they say, you know, I, I, I got gratitude. I'm good with that. But excited. I'm just always excited. Then I say, 
in your entire day, the whole day that's stretching out in front of you now, you can't name three things you're looking forward to doing, then we have a deeper issue. We need we need to go to work on what you're filling your life with, right? Oh, but almost yeah, that's everybody. Good, no, that's a good point. You have a deeper issue. I, I, I think it's kind of like, and I think we touched on it earlier, but it's that what are you getting out of bed in the morning for, yes. right? And if, if you're to a point in life where it feels so heavy and, and things are just falling out of place. And, you know, the reason I say that, Jim, is because I was at that place where I literally was writing in my journal that I wanted a reason to get up out of bed in the morning, that I wanted to be excited because I didn't have it. So you're right. I just, I like that we touch on that because, but I think that if you continue in this practice that you're describing, you've done these things for 35 years, bravo, my gosh, that is impressive for anybody, I would have to say, to be so, you know, diligent. Yeah, you're so right. And you know, but I think the practice breeds the outcome too. I think if you're, if you focus your mind every morning of, well, okay, what three things could I look forward to throughout the day? You'll yeah. find them. But then the next day, you'll maybe find something a little more and something a little more. So three by three, three things I'm grateful for, three things I'm excited about in the coming day. And then last of all, three outcomes I am absolutely committed to producing. Mm. So if I if I've got to make a difficult phone call, it goes on my list. If I've got to write a report for a client, I finish it today. If I'm going to pick up my daughter and go somewhere for lunch, that's on the list. It doesn't have to all be work. It can be work and family integrated together. But three things that I will not go to bed, I will not close my eyes to sleep if any of those three things aren't done. I'm teaching myself every single day that the things I say I'm going to do, I know I will do. And having my three outcomes, which can vary between work, family, health, all kinds of things, I'm just committed to all three. I'm building the muscle of following through by hitting those three things before I go to bed. So three by three, gratitude, gratitude, passion, and and commitment are, are a wonderful formula for a great life for anybody. Mm. And, and you, you're simply just that, Jim, I think it's incredible. You know, there's been a lot of studies that talk about uh, progress. And when we are striving to make progress in something, in some capacity, some form, then there's really no room for sadness or depression. Uh, You know, maybe a little bit, because I think that that's a natural state, especially statistically, as we get into these holiday months, you know, and, and January, there's statistically, you know, people get into more arguments, divorce rate is higher. So there's this natural energy of kind of a lower state that is the season of, of going kind of more within, right? So there is some natural sense, but when we are progressing and when we are are doing something to improve or we have a desire to create, then there's little room for it. That's right. And think of how powerful it is, even in my simple practice. If you say three things today, I'm going to absolutely do. Yes. Then when I go to sleep at night, I know I did those three things. So, so in my own vernacular, I get a win. I get three wins every night, every day of my life. I get to say, Touchdown three times, you know, uh, there's mm-hmm. something powerful about that. Even if you're listening to it right now and it maybe seems a little bit simplistic, I will tell you that it may be simple, but it's incredibly powerful. And, and if I can add this one more thought, you know, I think one of the great um, challenges of life today is that we've been taught we can only celebrate and be happy when we complete, when we finish, you know, so we start this long goal and we can't really celebrate until we hit mm. the end right? Well, that's not, it's not allowed. You're not supposed to do that. And I'm kind of the opposite. Heck, I think we should celebrate everything, you know? So, so each day when I check off my things, I celebrate that at the end of a week, if I had a great week of doing what I set out to do, I celebrate that. You know, if you withhold your joy for only those moments of finality, you'll live most of your life without it, without that sense of joy. And and joy is really the fuel in the engine of the car. It's what gets us moving through all these things we want to do. So don't wait, celebrate every day. So build these systems where you have 
you have the ability to feel like you're winning every single day at what you're doing. Jim, that's an incredible point. I'm so glad that you brought that up because you're correct. I think a lot of people do that. A lot of us do that where we we have the idea and we have to get to that point and you're so fixated on the, uh, on obtaining that and getting to the outcome. And then that's when the joy will come. But at the same time, that's where an immense amount of, of sadness comes in once you do that because you arrive and you have it. <laughs> And then what, right? You know, and that's, I think that's why a lot of people, when they get to celebrity status or they come into money, you know, and they have all the things, they have the the trophy wife, they have the car, they have the, the this and then that, and they do all the things. And then they come to realize that it's not actually what makes them happy. So really having that enjoyment in celebrating something daily and those accomplishments is is truly a beautiful insight thank you so much i want to bring in a uh, comment that we had here manly says i agree that small steps aren't small they lead to progress and enough of these steps lead to greater destinations beautiful beautiful perfectly said manly excellent so jim you are just beautiful inspiration thank you so much and is there anything else that you want to share with our audience today? Oh, gosh, you know, we've shared a lot, haven't we? And I hope for everybody it's been a packed podcast, you know, and, and you can always <laughs> go back and listen to sections of it to get what you need. Um, maybe one last thought, if you don't mind. And it's uh, it's a thought that's really become very personal to me at this stage of my life, more so than maybe than others. But but April, I think it's because now, you know, I'm an executive coach now. So that's my full time work. I no longer work with big organizations or big teams around the world. Uh, I work very intimately one-on-one -on -one with people who are simply trying to take their life and maybe their career to the next level. And, uh, and it is unquestionably, this is the happiest chapter of my life. But one of the things I've learned the most from this chapter and, and of course, all the time leading up to it is when you're a high achiever, you have a tendency to think that, that the ultimate payoff is getting, you know, is, is reaching that, getting the trophy, crossing the finish line, getting the outcome. And those, those moments are wonderful. No, no, no distinction about that, but, but they, we think of it only in that way. And, and then when we come to these pivotal moments in life where we have a choice to make, should I change jobs? Should I change houses? Should I change career paths? Should I change the way I parent? You know, whatever the crossroads we come to are, we tend to navigate toward achievement, what, what will create the greatest uh, benefit, you know, to me, whether it's economic or some other. Well, the great lesson I am sharing a lot at this stage in the, in the spirit that maybe it helps a lot of people is instead of choosing the path that leads to success is to choose the path that leads to significance. You know, you know, at the end of a life, you can have a tremendous amount of success. And believe me, there's nothing wrong with success. I hope everybody has all the success they ever wanted. But I know that success by itself can start to feel pretty empty in the end. Like you said, is this it? Is this all that, you know? So if you come to a crossroads and you have a choice, I would advise everybody to give thought to choosing the path that leads to significance rather than success. And when I say significance, I mean that path that allows you to do something that matters, to do, to do work that lights up your heart, that gets your energy going, to do work that you're proud to share with other people about the difference that you're making. And, and maybe work that, you know, one day when you're my age, somebody comes up to you and says, you may not remember me, but you made a huge difference in my life. Because those are going to be the moments. Those, those moments of significance are mm -hmm. going to be the moments that you're going to treasure. And, and when people come to that crossroads, and I'll, I'll close with this, April, if I may, is that um, how do you know? How do you know which is the path of significance? My advice is radically simple. <laughs> Choose the path that leads to joy. In other words, April, I believe with all my heart that joy is a valid compass. So if we don't know which way to go, if we don't know the right destination, if we don't know the right uh, logistics to get us somewhere, then choose joy because joy will lead you to those other things. If you're, if, you're, if you're thinking about between two job offers and one pays a lot of money and one it looks like where you'll really be happy, choose the one where you'll be happy 
Because if you're happy, you'll make money. Choose the path of joy. Joy is a valid compass. And if you follow it, you will not lose your way in the journey of your whole life. Oh, Jim, is it too soon if I say I love you? <laughs> <laughs> not at all. Thank you. I love you too. And I love this podcast. I'm hoping you'll have oh. me back someday because uh, I would love to yeah. come back and you know, yeah. so many other things you and I could talk about that we have in yeah. common. So please, please let's do that. I would love that. Yes. No, you, you just, you shed so much wisdom and light and beauty into the world. And you've given so much to the audience today. This is well worth the listen over and over and joy to choose joy. You know, we, like we mentioned before, it's easy to get caught up and overcomplicate things. Something that can be so simple when we do go into ourselves and listen to that internal compass that we all have, which is a beautiful thing. And, and joy is really at the essence, love, joy, all of those, those higher feelings. And when we start using that, that's leading you to your North star, right? If, if that's a term we want to use, but Jim, it has been spectacular to have you on the wellness driven life show. Of course you are welcome back anytime. It truly is an honor and a pleasure. Love the wisdom, love the light. Thank you so much. And for everyone tuning in, I want to make sure that you know where to find Jim. And so those of you who are listening, it's www.jimhooling.com. That's J-I-M-H-U-L-I-N-G. Easy peasy. J-I-M-H-U-L-I-N-G. And as always, you can find it in the description below. So all of the guest information is there where you can access at any time. And without you, the show wouldn't be possible. So we thank you so much for being here and making the show possible. Thank you so much and goodbye for now. We will see you next time.